Nearly 12 million women left their jobs in the wake of the pandemic, including some of our listeners. I worked the last 20 years in the healthcare industry until I left in May of 2020. I'm for hairstylist. In March of 2020, the shutdown happened and daycares were for essential workers only and hair salons were closed. What made it difficult for me to return was that my husband was a physician working nonstop during the pandemic. And we live in a city where I have virtually no family, so I had no childcare because my in-home daycare shut down as a result of the state restrictions. You know, from March to November, the kids continue to be in virtual school. My husband did go back to the office. So it was just me continuing to have the same stress and craziness on a day-to-day basis. And that caused a lot of stress and made me not be the person and the mother that I wanted to show up for my family. Three years after millions of women disappeared from the workforce, where are they now? Back to work or out for good? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, March 30th. Coming up on the show, what the pandemic has meant for women and their jobs. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Most economic downturns are so-called man sessions, meaning they affect more men than women. But when millions were laid off in 2020 due to the pandemic, it was a different story. It had a disproportionate effect on women, partly because of the nature of the jobs that were suddenly erased from the economy. That's our colleague Lauren Weber. The jobs that disappeared were mostly jobs that women held like service jobs at salons, restaurants, or resorts and hotels. By one estimate, 77% of workers in jobs that required close contact were held by women. Restaurants shut down, movie theaters, um, lots of industries just kind of closed almost overnight. So a lot of people lost their jobs in that way. And in the service jobs in particular, you know, there were a lot of uh, women in many of those jobs who were either furloughed or simply laid off. And some women who didn't lose their jobs eventually had to quit, often because they were taking on more responsibility at home. Now, simultaneously, you had schools going to virtual instruction, you had daycares closing. That also had a huge impact on employment because suddenly parents couldn't leave the house to go to work even if they had a job. Women still do a disproportionate share of child rearing and household labor. We, we also have a, a wage gap in our economy where, um, you know, women tend to earn less than men. So when a family looked at their situation, um, often 
it was a purely practical decision. Okay, the man earns more, his job needs to be preserved. And so the woman might have stopped working either temporarily or indefinitely. A lot of these factors affected Kathleen Brown, a 51-year-old mother of two. Hi, I'm Kathleen Brown. I am a registered nurse. My boys are 12 and 13, um, so they don't really like me right now, but I'm waiting, you know, that'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, I'm sure it's, an, it's in there. In 2020, Kathleen and her family had just moved for her husband's career. He's a surgeon in the military. And Kathleen was going to start looking for a new job. What happened when the pandemic actually began and the lockdowns began with your career? It stopped. <laughs> there wasn't any going forward. My, uh, my kids at that time, so they were 9 and 10. School kind of just shut down. We had to pick up some homeschool techniques um, and try and figure some things out because our lives just stopped and we went to homeschooling at a round dining room table in a spare bedroom. So tell me about what your days were like when you were staying home and looking after your kids. Oh, geez, Louise, that was trying to make a routine out of a blender. Um, You would, like, have a a tentative schedule. you get up, because sometimes school would start, and you would start music class, and then the screen would disappear. Hmm. Technical difficulties. Yeah, so you would go over to whatever your, like I said, the hodgepodge schedule you had, and then say, okay, well, in this timeline, we were going to do this, and then try to rope everybody back into focus. And then sometimes you would be able to complete that. Sometimes there'd be some head banging on the table and frustration. Uh, and then in the middle of it, this, the school might come back up. But I would stay in the room with them the whole day. They're each other's prime agitator. <laughs> so trying to have them in the same room and doing different schoolwork was, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it was a full-time job. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like a lot of work. Yes, it was. When, when did you realize that you might not be able to go back into the job market and that you, that you had to suspend your search? By May or June, I knew that my kids were really struggling. And my husband's schedule had gotten um, incredibly weird and unpredictable, obviously, uh, during that time being a healthcare provider. Mm. I knew that until school resumed and things were settled, that there wouldn't be a spot for me. Why did you stop working and take on the home responsibilities and not your husband? I think in the United States, generally, that's kind of a given that uh, the man's career, you know, generally speaking, is a higher paying position. And so I think that that's looked upon as the mother is the caregiver. I have friends that have very important jobs that are women, um, and they have had to have full-time nannies. But you have to be at a certain status where you can also have that option you know, to be able to afford to pay for that kind of care. I do believe it is situational, though. So for your family, was it an economic decision that your husband kept working and and you stayed home? Yes, absolutely. I'm used to that aspect of I can handle this and take care of the situation. I've got this. But that also means you're the first one to kind of put yourself last. And then in 2021, the economy started opening back up again in a major way. Here's our colleague Lauren again. So this has been one of the strangest economies and labor markets I think anybody's ever seen, at least in our lifetimes. Um, You know, this recession that happened when the pandemic first shut everything down was incredibly short. And, you know, within a few months, 
employers started staffing up again. We had figured out how to adjust better. There was outdoor dining created. You know, there were there was so much uh, food delivery. So there were there was a lot of hiring that was actually going on. You know, with vaccines that also gave a boost to companies reopening and demand coming back. But most of the people coming back to the workforce were men. We saw that, you know, rates of female labor force participation remained still fairly low. One reason was that federal pandemic aid was still going out, keeping a lot of families afloat on one income. And the service jobs that many women had occupied continued to pose COVID risks. On top of that, childcare was still difficult to find. That was the case for Kathleen. When her kids went back to school in 2021, she wanted to go back to work. And she found a job at a nursing home. But it demanded way too many hours. My kids weren't old enough to stay home alone. Mm -hmm. So then you go back into the trying to find care on a schedule that rotates. So most of the 12-hour shifts always sound good, like they're condensed schedule. But that means you rotate weekend schedules and you have to find care that's willing to do weekend coverage, later in the day coverage, and also no predictable schedule. Kathleen's story shows that even as the labor market was opening up, it hadn't quite adjusted to what some women wanted at the time. I interviewed several women who realized at a certain point that they couldn't work unless they were remote, either because of their other responsibilities at home or um, distance. You know, they couldn't commute a, a long distance to a job or it just added too many hours to their day. But now, the job market is finally shifting back towards women. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Three years after the pandemic caused an exodus of women from the job market, women are finally returning. As of last month, there are 1.2 million more women in the workforce than just before the pandemic. You know, there were a number of factors that were kind of finally making work really, really much more appealing to some women who might have been on the sidelines for a while. What's bringing them back? I think one factor is that kids are back in school. Maybe for many people, family life has returned to some semblance of normal. And there has been huge growth in the labor force participation among women with children under the age of five, you know, which 
to us indicates that childcare is now more available than it was before. Another issue is that families are being hit by inflation and their expenses have gone up. That may mean that some of those families that were getting by for a couple years on a single income maybe now realize that they need two incomes in order to pay their bills. And then another piece of this, which I find fascinating, is that I think a lot of jobs have actually gotten better over the last few years. Wages are up and, you know, maybe some jobs you can now work remote or hybrid where you couldn't before. So that makes it a better fit for a lot of people. And, you know, maybe you have um, better benefits, more flexibility. So I think employers uh, dealing with a labor shortage have realized we need to make these jobs more appealing and attractive to people in order to consider going back to work. This is certainly true for Kathleen. After getting training in remote healthcare, and after submitting more than 100 applications, she finally landed a telehealth job last year. August 4th was the first phone call I got. And within, I think, two weeks, I had six remote job offers, Hmm. which was pretty awesome. Uh, So I I selected a full-time position, and I have been in that role since the day after Labor Day of 22. And how did it feel when you started that job? Great. Um, it, it was so convenient that since my children are now, they can stay home by themselves a little bit, but they're boys and they're 12 and 13. <laughs> they can't get into any trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what could go wrong? Make a list. How important was it to you that when you returned to the workforce, your job was remote? Oh, it was paramount. It was paramount. I'm very close to the location of their schools. So when we've had things that come up, I take my hour lunch. And most of the time, that's adequate to get the things done that still need to get done. And uh, I'm here when they come home. You know, if if it hits the fan, you know, I can take a break and be like, you know, guys, rein it in. It's really worked out nicely to be able to be here when I'm my own backup still. Our colleague Lauren says that the return of women to the workforce is giving the economy a boost. Partly because women who also tend to make most of the consumer decisions in their households are now, you know, back at work in stronger numbers and and earning money. This is helping to continue the consumer spending that really is the heart of the U.S. economy. So, you know, the more people that are working and have money in their pockets, it is helping to maintain consumer spending. And I think keep the economy, I won't say women are keeping the economy afloat right now, but it is, you know, helping to keep the economy probably stronger than it would have been without this kind of strong return to the labor force that we're seeing. But some women have chosen to remain out of the workforce. One of the listeners you heard from at the start of this episode, Caitlin Fontenot, quit her job and moved to another state in late 2020. She said the pandemic made her reassess her priorities and she has no plans to return to work. I had debated about quitting for a long time. I wanted to show up as a parent and as a person. And I saw a change in my kids instantly, and I don't want to go back to the stress that I I want to be able to provide for them in a way that I wasn't previously able to. It's a constant force that they know that I'm going to be there for them. And if they need help, then it's not going to be, oh, I'm on a call right now. Give me, you know, 20 minutes. I think it's impacted them positively in that way. 
For those of our listeners who have returned to work, things are different now. Some women say their new jobs are better than before. Some changed careers. And some have started their own businesses. Another younger listener said she never left the workforce, but she worries about being able to find a female mentor now that so many women have left her profession. And we still don't know what effect all this will have on career trajectories and opportunities for promotions. Looking back on what's happened over the last few years with the pandemic and the labor market, what do you think this says about how the workforce is set up for women? Well, I'm honestly reluctant to say for women because I think the things that make the workplace very difficult for women in many ways have to do with caregiving responsibilities. And I really do think we need to talk about caregiving as a genderless issue. This is an issue for fathers, for sons, for as well as it is for mothers who who are also daughters. Um, you know, so we should be talking about caregiving as an obligation of, of all genders, not just women. But what makes the workplace particularly difficult for women is that most caregiving responsibility still falls to women. So a, a workplace that doesn't work for parents or for people caring for older relatives especially does not work well for women. That's all for today, Thursday, March 30th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Sarah Cheney-Cambon. And special thanks to all our listeners who responded to our call out. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.